You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fencewater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday afternoon, everybody. Hope you're having a good start to your work week. Levi, how you doing today, my man? Doing great. We've got real pants on for the first time since the accident. Non-elastic waist. I've got a collared shirt on. I'm looking a little bit more professional in here today. Good weekend. Got telling you about it after or before we went on. Got to watch Mortal Kombat this weekend. That was great. And don't look now. The NC Dinos of the Korean Baseball League or the Korean Baseball Organization, I might add, one game out of first place. If someone had not known about your accident <laughs> and all they heard was, <laughs> I've got real pants on for the first time since the accident. It makes it there's sound- a lot of different ways that that can go. It makes it sound. <laughs> I'm just glad That's you good. said since the accident but that because it-, it started out. And then there was a pause. It started out as I've got real pants on. I'm like, so that's how we're starting out the week. He's it, got real pants on. But then it Excellent. also it also sounds like I had an accident in the pants at one point in time, and I just decided, you know what, real pants were too hard to get off before I made it to the restroom. So uh, can't I think wear we've them gone anymore. Too far on this. I think we've gone too far on this. <laughs> Number to call, 334-321-1390. Once again, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Levi in his real pants. You can find him on Twitter, at Levi Fitzwater. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Point Gardner. You can keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well, at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered once again. That's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Primed and ready for a full week of On the Line. Excited to be back for another week after a great weekend. And despite the fact that there was some nasty weather this weekend, the sun is back out. Not a cloud in the sky, at least through the sliver of the window that I can see at the moment. It's a pretty day. Hope everybody's having an excellent start to their work week we're going to start our week off on on the line talking a little auburn football ranking auburn football's most important defensive players we did this on the offensive side of the ball after we finished our a-day depth chart series we did not do this on the defensive side of the ball because we wrapped up talking about the defense the same week that a-day was happening on saturday and we just continued to talk about a-day now i think it's time that we revisit this topic and we rank Auburn football's most important defensive players a top five if you will Levi who do you have at five so at five I went ahead and I was trying to I couldn't figure out how to distinguish between these two players but I would just say this it's either Zacoby McLean or Owen Papo I've got them both down at five like a linebacker position because I think it is important that that is wild that that's that low it's it's a bit different so the way I did it is a bit different I think that because this is such a 
it's a group that you're expecting to do big things. And I think they are a very talented group of linebackers. I couldn't differentiate between which one I wanted down there. But I think this team is going to, like, if this defense is going to be good, you're going to need their production. But it doesn't matter if certain other positions don't perform as well. And that's why I think there's a, there's more important things that I'm expecting, if, if that makes sense. Like, there, there are positions that I think need to step up more so than anything to make the defense go. And that's why I have them a little bit higher on the list than maybe the talent and the production would suggest being on this. I just think they're important for these for certain other positions to get better and help these guys out because these guys down here are linebackers the Kobe McLean Oro and Papo they can play great but if they're not getting any help at certain areas they're not going to look as good as their talent and their production suggests if that makes a little bit of sense and I do think that I, mean, I think these guys are important to the defense I don't have a shadow of a doubt they're going to play very well like I think they're going to produce this year. They're going to be very good. They like to hit guys. They they can stop some run action. I'm interested to see how they develop into more of a coverage linebacker because that's hard at the collegiate level. Me and you have talked about that. Let's see how well they do this year at it because it's if, more so Owen Papo than Jacoby yes, McClain. But I, yes. yeah, I trust McClain more. Jacoby McClain more in the pass coverage aspect. Well, I of trust it. Owen Papo more, but. I'm just saying that I think Owen Papo will be asked to be in coverage more, more yeah. than Jacoby McClain will be. It just shows you what what are we uh, like? How are their steps? Because it's hard. Like you're not going to find many linebackers at the collegiate level that can cover well. We talked about this before, so, so I want to see what they do in coverage. So you have placed linebackers low on your list because you're actually more confident in the linebackers' ability. Yes, I don't. It's already been proven. So you're yes. saying that if this defense is going to improve then some of these other players that are higher up on your list, it is more important, important for them to succeed. And that's like that's how I'm feeling about it because I think if... That's a completely different angle than I took, but and that's I good. see your logic. But that's good. That means you're going to talk about different things. I'm going to be talking about different things, and that's what sports radio is all about. We're getting that's both right. different opinions, and here we are. It's making me want to reevaluate my list because I actually kind of agree with that logic here, but I'll take it, in it. I'll take it from my angle. I'll say at five here, I'm going to go with whoever Auburn's second cornerback here is which means Roger McCreary is going to be much higher up on this list later on and we will revisit him later on but I will go with Nehemiah Pritchett or Jalen Simpson here whoever ends up being the true number two corner whoever is going to be following around the second best wide receiver for some of these other teams in the league that have really good ones and twos there are some deep receiving rooms in the sec alabama's got one florida has had one in recent years i think georgia with george pickens if he was healthy they would have had one two maybe three guys that were dangerous but there are teams in this league that are deeper than just one really good wide receiver and that's where this auburn defensive backfield will be tested this upcoming season i think it's important when you're looking at the fact that I, I don't think a lot of folks are going to be throwing Roger McCreary's way this year. When you find out that someone's got an island corner that can lock someone down in man-to-man coverage, and I think Auburn's going to run a lot of man this year. I think Auburn's going to order their defensive backfield one, two, three, four, five, and they're going to follow around and match up with one, two, three, four, five on the other team's wide receivers, right? That's the way I imagine Auburn will run things. I don't necessarily believe that you're going to have the same nickel every single ball game that could change you never know but Roger McCreary is going to follow the best receiver around the field I believe and then after that 
whoever's number two, they're going to be tested more times than not because Roger McCreary is going to cl- cover up his receiver. They're not going to throw his way. So then what does Auburn have outside of that? Are they giving up the deep ball? Are they giving up consistent yards to some of the supplemental receivers rather than the best receiver? I want to see Auburn's defensive backfield from top to bottom be one of the that, that that's how you would grade Auburn to be an elite unit in the secondary that's how you would evaluate this group if they truly are going to be as good as people think they are going to be then their twos and their threes have to also really not give a whole lot of ground after you get past Roger McCreary so I would say at five here if Auburn's secondary is truly going to be one of the best in the league I would say it's important for their two or their three I'll go with two here whether it's Nehemiah Pritchett or Jalen Simpson for them to be for them to have a successful season and that's that's incredibly fair because you can see different like you can go through and look at defenses where you have a lockdown shutdown island corner but what happens when you throw to the other side like yeah sure if you can take away a team's best target and that's all they have like when you only have one guy where you saw it last year We'll go back to South Carolina where Auburn was only really utilizing Seth Williams at the time. They locked him down with J.C. Horn. They didn't have to worry about another cornerback because Auburn couldn't go to the other side of the field. But if you were facing a team like an Alabama that has a deep receiving room or like a Florida in past years, Ole Miss where they've had, you know, different type, they've had depth at receiver, you know, for the past few years. Obviously, some of those guys have come and gone, but you trust that they're probably going to reload with the way that they've been recruiting the receiving position. What are you going to do on the other side of the ball? Like nothing. Like yeah, Roger McCreary is going to be over there looking amazing, not getting thrown at. But does it really matter if the other guy, the number two, is over there giving up pass after pass after pass? Like you're going to need somebody to step up, whether it's Jalen Simpson, whether it's Nehemiah Pritchett, to actually help bolster what Roger McCreary is going to do. Who's your number four? I actually had Roger McCreary, so it kind of bleeds in and segues well. Again, it, some I think- of your best players. Your list is going to be inverted of mine. Yes, that's what I think, and that's what's funny of like how we did this because I think, I think the best players, as important as they are, it's because I trust them more to do what they've done in the past, and we've seen that if these guys succeed, yes, it can be a good defense, but it can only go so far without these other guys stepping up to help them out. And I mean, you said it best, and we were already talking about it with the second corner position. I trust that Roger McCreary is going to be a lockdown corner in the SEC. I believe he's going to show why people were projecting him to go to the NFL the NFL draft this year and be a top prospect within the first three rounds. I think he comes out this year. I think he shows that. And he probably elevates himself to a first or second round selection in the next draft. But what is that going to do for you if nobody else helps him? That's why I think that I'm confident that he's going to be good on his side of the ball. He's going to make an impact. That's obviously why he's one one of the best players on Auburn's defense. I trust him. I think he's going to be good. I think he's important. I mean, he's on the top five for a reason, but we can only go so far without another guy. I'm amending my list as we go. This is interesting. I'm taking the linebackers out of my list. You've convinced me. I'm taking the linebackers completely out of my list because when you think like if you think about it you're like yeah this defense was good last year with these guys playing well they I would say that this defense were, was yeah, good but, but they were they did, fine you had guys playing well and you're like the linebackers well. played well in spite of how poor the defensive line played and so if this defense is going to take the next step I would agree with you it is most important for maybe 
this defensive line to maybe get a little bit more love, That's which I would imagine some of your defensive linemen are going to be emerging towards the top of your list. Yes. <laughs> even though they were some of the most underwhelming players on Auburn's entire football team and that's what, last yeah. year and that's why i think they're very important because they weren't there last year to help and it made other people look bad despite being talented and despite playing well so mccreary is fourth on your list yes i got mccreary sitting there number four my dbs are going to be much higher i'll get to the defensive lineman here four for me i'm going with colby wooden i don't know how much of a I, last year your top two pass rushing threats colby wooden Derek Hall, maybe you can work Zykevis Walker in there at times. Those were your guys who were generating any pressure, if any. Colby Wooden, though, in this defensive line and what they're going to be asked to do this upcoming season, it's a different scheme. They are now responsible for multiple gaps along the offensive line, and it's about not getting pushed back. It's about murkying things up at the line, not allowing the offensive line to get a push, and then allowing your linebackers to come up and make plays, which is what they're good at. These linebackers, Zacoby McLean had over 100 tackles last year in a 10-game season. He averaged over 10 tackles a game. He leads the SEC in tackles. They're going to get theirs. And these linebackers, Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean, your two inside linebackers, that's what they do best, is coming downhill to go and make those tackles. The difference between Auburn giving up five yards a carry and allowing texas a&m to average over 300 rushing yards against you to go and get over 300 rushing yards against you the difference is what this defensive line does which i'm going ahead and talk about the defensive line now because actually the way the dbs as more important which i'll be getting to dbs later on so that's the main difference in our list here but Colby Wooden at four because what these defensive linemen are going to be tasked with doing and a big part of what he's going to be tasked with doing at his specific at his specific saying specific spot on the defensive line is that he's going to be responsible for multiple gaps and you could pretty much insert nose tackle here you can insert another defensive lineman here I'm sticking Colby Wooden here because he's one of the prime leaders on this defensive line and you set the tone with your leaders but these defensive linemen are going to be asked to hold multiple gaps it's no longer just one now you're being asked to hold two and if you don't get pushed back and you hold the point of attack then these linebackers are going to be able to move forward and go and make plays and you're going to see another 100 tackle plus season for Zacoby McLean another outstanding year for Zacoby McLean and the yards per carry numbers for opponents are going to drastically decrease so what Auburn's defensive line was asked to do in previous years has changed the question is can this defensive line do it are they going to be able to do it against some of the better offensive lines in the league there's definitely a whole lot more pressure on Auburn's defensive line this year than maybe it has been in recent years we know the linebackers though are built for this they're built for this style of play and they're going to succeed so in terms of Auburn's defense being successful most important player I will put or one of the most important players I will put Colby Wooden at four because of how important the role is on the defensive line and this this change of scheme for them to hold the point of attack and allow the linebackers to work behind them you gotta help your guys out help help the guys behind you help help your guys at Kobe McLean help Owen Papo out let them do what they do best let them go downhill hit somebody fill in gaps and hold 
your position. The difference to help between Jacoby McClain getting a tackle for a loss or stuffing someone in the gap and you know within one yard of the line of scrimmage. The difference between him doing that and tackling someone five six yards downfield is not a matter of necessarily of Jacoby McClain in his play. It's more of a matter of what this defensive yes. line does, and I think that was the case last year. It's not the linebackers' fault that they were tackling them five, six yards down the field. Oftentimes, last year it was the defensive line's fault. It wasn't the linebackers; yeah. it was defensive lines. And so, Jacoby McLean and Owen Peppo, we're not worried about those guys. It's more about what this defensive line's able to do. And Colby Wooden was a standout player last year for Auburn. Kind of came out of nowhere. Let's see what kind of step he takes forward this year. Because now teams know about him. Now teams know about him. How does he adjust? How does he improve? because teams are going to look at him and Derek Hall as primary players in this defensive line that they're going to have to take out of the equation. Yeah, I mean, the second year. The second year, whenever people have film on you, it's going to be a little bit harder. You're not some guy who's just coming in there. People know him. People are going to have game plans to negate him. But you still got to go through. You still got to fill gaps. You can't just let running backs hit the hole and come out of there hard, at least from the run game perspective, and make the linebackers tackle five or six yards up the field, that changes from, I don't know, maybe a second and 10, second and 11, second and nine to second and four. That that opens up your whole playbook. Play action becomes more of a, a viable threat when it's second and four, more second and three. a viable option. Yeah, like you're going to, like it's a thing that might happen, but second and 10, you know, you're, you're, you're putting them kind of behind the sticks a little bit. And that's why it's important for these guys to be able to fill gaps so the offense isn't already starting off getting three, four, five yards to begin with and making life easier on them. Who's your number three? We'll go ahead and squeeze that in here. Okay, my number three, I actually, I'll go ahead and give a kind of a little bit of a list of one that's a little bit around the house, just so I don't say the second cornerback like you did, because I did have Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, and maybe even a guy like Ladarius Tennyson, just like a second guy spelling out some of the guys that we know, if that makes sense. So not you know not smoke monday because i'm trusting smoke monday not roger mccurry i'm trusting those two guys or those guys but who comes in and helps them out who's a guy on there that's going to step up and you know help them out spell them cause assist is ladaria Tennyson going to be able to come in and provide good minutes at the safety position and help out some is jalen simpson going to come in and be able to be a good second corner or nehemiah pritchett we kind of hit on it a lot with you know when you were talking about that but i think it's important for those other guys to step up because I do have faith in some, you know, a guy like Roger McCreary coming in. My number three here, Derek Hall. I'm going to go with Auburn needs to generate a pass rush here, and Colby Wooden will be tasked with doing that partially, but Derek Hall, more importantly, just considering he'll be coming from an outside linebacker pass rush perspective, and and that will be generally what he's tasked with doing more so than Colby Wooden. I think you may see Colby Wooden with his hand in the dirt a little bit more than uh well a lot more than you'll see that with Derek Hall because Derek Hall will look a little bit more like a or a lot more like an outside linebacker than Colby Wooden will be Colby Wooden will be much more tasked with run stopping uh, with holding the point of the attack Derek Hall more about getting after the quarterback and getting into the backfield and rushing off the edge in order to help out this Auburn secondary Auburn's got to get a pass rush and Auburn hasn't had a true pass rushing threat since and it was different like Derek Brown and Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson did it differently they were brute force they weren't speed rushers they were bowling you over they were bull rushers they were they were head up and they were going to push you back and throw you into their quarterback if you were LSU yeah they're throwing linemen into the quarterback to make a problem 
But before them, you go back to like, uh, I'm trying to think, Jeff Holland? Like, is that it? It's been Is that a, the last time? It's been a while since you've had a good pass rusher on Auburn's defense. That that sticks out a lot. I mean, I can't think of anybody that I'm trying comes to remember out. 18, if, who the guy was in 18 off the edge, which obviously tells you that it wasn't that great. I'm going to try to look it up for you, but I mean, I can't think of anybody who, I can't think of who was in 18. Because it's been was, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson's defensive line until this past year. And then once those guys left, what was remaining, we all figured out it actually wasn't that good or it hadn't been developing that well around it. And so you go back like truly a speed rusher, a guy that could come off the edge and actually play the buck position at a high level because it's been Big Cat Bryant the last couple of years and TD Moultrie, and they've been underwhelming. Those guys have played the buck position, and they haven't gotten it done. So you go back to like Jeff Holland all the way back in like 2017, which was great, but Auburn hasn't had a true edge rusher that can cause a lot of chaos and havoc in the last four years. I mean, in, in 2018, you still had guys like Big Cat Bryant. It was and, Big Cat Bryant and T.D. Moultrie, and they really didn't do a whole lot. I mean, you, then you had a couple of freshmen who didn't do anything, and Colby Wood and Derek Hall, who, you know, they're the guys you're expecting, really for, this, you're guys really expecting for this team. They weren't playing back then. So, I mean, you yeah. were getting guys like T.D. Moultrie, Big Cat Bryant, where you're rushers, and that, that's not going to cut it. Like, that, that's why it wasn't, it wasn't that good back then. So help out your defensive backs. Get a pass rush. Get some sacks. Make quarterbacks feel uncomfortable. Quarterback Opposing quarterbacks look comfortable when they play Auburn because they don't have a lot of pressure put on them. They've been able to get a running game. The defensive line hasn't been over overly impressive the last year, at least this past year. Of course, it was uber impressive when you had Derek Brown and Marla Davidson, but I think they covered up a lot of, a lot of issues behind them because they were so good. And now Auburn needs guys to step up and make an impact on the defensive line, make opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable, help out these defensive backs, because if they do, the guys that I've got listed at one and two, which we'll talk about later, they will truly spearhead an elite unit in all of college football. And if Auburn's going to win some games, they can't have Alabama put up 54 on them. They can't have Georgia be able to score like they were last year and be able to throw the football on them like they have over the last couple of years. They have to be able to stifle some of the best quarterbacks in this league if they're going to have a chance. I mean, Ole Miss wants to throw the ball. Ole Miss wants yeah. to score a lot. Like, I mean, and we, we look at it. Bryce Young, JT Daniels, Matt Corral, all those guys are on Auburn's schedule next year. And LSU wants to throw the ball 50 times a game. Mississippi State wants to throw the ball 50 times a game. Most teams that you play in the SEC, they want to throw the ball 50 times a game. They want to throw the ball 40 times a game at least. I shouldn't say 50 times. That's an exaggeration. But that's, 40 that's, times maybe, a game is not out of the realm of possibility for any of those teams that I just named except for Georgia because of yeah. scheme issues. But their quarterback is, is the best of the group that I've named. I mean, 50 is not out of the question for Mississippi State. Not out of the question for Mississippi no. State and Mike Leach. Not at but all. But 40 is definitely not out of the question for, for all the other teams. No, teams. not at no. all. And, I mean, you have an improved quarterback at Arkansas with K.J. Jefferson. They might be airing it out a little bit more with him. So, I mean, you, got, you have to be able to – defend the pass and you're not going to do anything if you're going to get a pass rush we're going to head to a quick break here on on the line and when we come back we will talk about auburn baseball series against florida auburn baseball drops another close one but they played hard and they're definitely competitive we'll be back on the other side of this break you're listening to on the line (laughs) 
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. The Max Roundtable on the line. The Drive with Bill Cameron. Analysis, news, and more. Seven hours. Local sports talk. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Only a couple of minutes in this segment before we hit our hard break at 2.30. So we got a couple of minutes here to talk a little Auburn baseball. Went long on the Auburn football talk in that previous segment. Still ranking Auburn football's most important defensive players. We'll revisit that at 3 o'clock. We'll come back to that conversation to give you our top two most important players for Auburn football on the defensive side of the ball this upcoming season. But Auburn baseball this past weekend, losing two out of three to Florida. If it hasn't been a sweep, well, we've heard that a lot this year. Losing two out of three or still Auburn searching for their first SEC series win. Auburn now 3-15 and 15 in conference play with only a handful of series left, four series remaining. The position that Auburn is in now after having lost those two games against Florida this weekend, because we said, look, they, they got to start winning series now. Mathematically, it has to happen. If Auburn were to finish at 500, Auburn would have to win out in SEC play. Not likely. Borderline yeah, could, borderline impossible. I'm not, I'm not going to say impossible, but definitely not likely when you look at Georgia and LSU on the schedule coming up, and those two teams have been enjoying better spells now than they were earlier in the year. Adam and Missouri are performing horribly at the moment as well, so you've got a real shot to take two series at the end but Georgia and LSU still going to provide staunch opposition for Auburn I think Auburn's good enough and talented enough to win all of these series and Auburn has shown that they are talented enough to win all these series because you look at how close they lose these series to teams like Florida Alabama Mississippi State Arkansas Kentucky Ole Miss they're not getting blown out they're competing in every single game with the exception of a few where they got to Sunday and they just ran out of arms I mean, that's kind of been the story, just running out of arms. And you see it in games with Auburn. That's why these games down the stretch, that's why they tend to lose these close games down the stretch because they don't have the arms. They don't have the bullpen to be able to keep this kind of game going. But if Auburn were to get to 13 wins in conference play, which would be a massive turnaround across these last 12 in SEC play, they can only lose two more games which would mean they'd have to sweep two of these series and take two out of three in the other two. So Highly unlikely. Mathematically yep. possible, highly unlikely. On the other side of this break, we'll come back. We'll talk more SEC baseball, Auburn baseball, what else happened in the conference. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. So far in today's show, we have ranked Auburn football's most important defensive players. We've gone through three of those five players. We're going to save our top two coming up at three o'clock in the show. That's when you can hear that. Ranking Auburn football's most important defensive players will give you our top two at 3 p.m. And then in our previous segment, we talked a little Auburn baseball dropping another close series. What does Auburn have to do to make the postseason every week? 
it becomes more and more ridiculous what we say for Auburn to be able to make the postseason. And that's not because this is a bad baseball team. They just, they haven't been able to put it all together. And I was leaving the ball game yesterday. I went to the ball game yesterday, actually, which I'll be real. I'll be completely transparent. That was my first Auburn sporting event since senior night Auburn basketball back in 2020 against Texas A&M when Auburn lost that midweek game to the Aggies. Been a in while. Basketball, yeah. Been a while for you. Been a while for you. I'm on a two-game losing streak right now, at least, in Auburn sporting events. It's probably been even longer for me. I can't remember the last time. I mean, it was probably a little bit before that that basketball season. Um, I, it might have been LSU that year. It might have been LSU for that for the 2020 like the 2020 basketball, basketball season. That's what I'm thinking. Or the that tw- was the I mean, last game you've been to any Auburn sporting event. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Man, that's a high note. Yeah, I'm gonna say that was a good one. Good I'm gonna say to go I was, out. I was definitely cup. I know I definitely covered that game because I had to go to that game. Watch that one. Very good, very exciting game to watch because you think you're dead in the water. Then the next thing you know, they they pull one of those games out. Did but, that a lot that year. Yes, and I feel like I was covering every single one of those games that they pulled out. I felt like I was always there, you know, beat writing and and covering stuff for back, you know, in my Weagle days when I was at Auburn. And th- that one sticks out in particularly because, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first week of the XFL coming back because I remember – putting that on in my ear while I was writing the article and I just I just remember sitting in Auburn Arena writing that and listening to the you know the play-by-play on that game I do believe that was my last Auburn sporting event was that LSU basketball well, game I can't think of anything else after that I can't a winning streak I'm on a losing streak at the moment one and oh baby two L's in a row for me hey. two L's in a row at some point you bar the door and you don't let me in <laughs> I mean it's it's like that sometimes I mean there I've been at the house with people watching games when they get up and go to the bathroom and Auburn will score a touchdown or, you know, they go on a run in basketball. I'm like, all right, you got to you gotta stay in the bathroom, dude. I'm sorry. Can't come out. We'll tell you what happens, but you can't come out. As I was leaving yesterday's baseball game, my wife turned to me and asked me, are we going to be good next year? And I did not have a good answer for her because Auburn loses a lot of key pieces, not only arms, but also bats. You lose Ryan Bliss. He's batting above 350 right now. He's one of the best bats in the league. You can't replace that. You're losing Rankin Woley. He's been one of the guys who's been one of your leaders in the lineup. You lose him as well. It's fathomable to believe that you lose Stephen Williams, even though he could come back. It's fathomable to believe in the pitching staff you lose. Well, I'll go back to the bats. I'll say you lose Judd Ward as well. So you lose some key bats. Now, is it a big loss to say you lose Stephen Williams and Judd Ward, who are you know, Stephen Williams batting like 254 and Judd Ward's batting in the 230s. Are those big losses? No, those are re- those are replaceable. You, a freshman in this league can bat 230. But so those have been some underwhelming pieces, but still they've been there with you for the past three, four seasons playing key roles, not only in the field, but also at the plate, regardless of whether or not they've been down this year. You do have some good bats coming back, like Cam Hill. He's coming back. Josh Hall. Garrett Farquhar could come back as well if he wanted to. As far as arms are concerned, where's the starting pitching next season? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that looks like. Richard Fitz could come back. Jack Owen could come back because Richard last Fitz year didn't count. Go. Richard Fitz might have to come back. I mean, they, I don't know. I haven't looked at the you know where he's fallen as a prospect right now, but I assume it's not as high as it was at the beginning of the year. It also depends on how many rounds this year's MLB draft will have. If it's like last year's, well. 
Richard Fitz ain't getting drafted, man. Like, if it's only five rounds, Richard Fitz isn't going pro. He'll have to come back. And then Jack Owen could come back because last year didn't count. He's listed as a senior on the website, which draws confusion for folks. But Auburn, the way they've handled it on their website is they've just advanced everybody a year but they must they're they're keeping track of it somewhere that they have still this much eligibility but they've put their academic year or what their eligibility would have been had they not taken that year that extra year that the NCAA has given but Jack Owen theoretically could come back and be the ace in this Auburn staff next year I'm just trying to figure out where the starting pitching is coming from Joseph Gonzalez probably is a starter next year because he's been a starter for the large portion of this season he's got a 70 RA right now you look at the bullpen arms right now, of course. Cody Greenhill's gone. Mason Barnett will be back. Does he stay in the bullpen or does he move to the starting rotation where he already has significant experience? Skipper will be back and then Swilling back as well. You've got arms, but, but nothing the, like... What, I was like, what's the caliber of the arms? I feel like the, you've got a question. lot of twos. You've got a, num- you got a lot of number twos. Now... Follow me here. Swilling's giving you some good innings. Yes. Peyton Glavin recently has given you some good innings. Skipper's given you some good some good innings. And so has Mason Barnett. All four of those guys at some point this season has had stretches of looking solid. They have. All four of those guys out of the bullpen have had stretches at some point this year of like two weeks. They've had like two week stretches where they've looked really good. And then they cooled off. Whatever that means. And then we forget about Trace Bright, who opened the year up looking better than ninety percent of this, ninety percent of this entire pitching staff. But he very well has been figured out. Who knows? He's cooled off recently. But you look at there's a lot of guys in this pitching staff that are coming back next year that had at least two week stretches of looking really good, and then they cooled off and they just haven't recultivated that, and they're kind of hit or miss at the moment. So there's potential. But does it reach high-quality, top-tier SEC status? That's a big question. I am kind of wondering where the Auburn... I am kind of wondering where the Auburn starting rotation looks like next year. Because there's going to be some youth. There's going to be some inexperience. You thought this year they had inexperience? They at least had, like, experience pitching in the SEC. They didn't have starting experience. You can go back to that week one rotation that Auburn sent out against Presbyterian. Greenhill hadn't been a starter. Richard Fitz hadn't been a starter. And then, who was the other one? Was it Mason Barnett? Yes, it was Mason Mason Barnett. Mason Barnett was the Sunday guy. So you look at all three of those guys, none of them had significant experience. Like, combined across all three of those players, there may have been like two starts, three starts, ever. And And they were like midweeks. They weren't significant starts. Midweeks, maybe a Sunday if someone, like, if you were having some injury trouble. Like, it wasn't anything good. Like, it wasn't significant ace friday saturday against the sec but at least they had pete they had yes. pitched a lot out of the bullpen right there were guys you depended on like you you like those guys coming out of the bullpen especially greenhill fitz was kind of hit or miss yes. before last season when everything shut down he was he played a much larger role in last year's abbreviated season but two years ago in the omaha run he played a much more crucial role late in the season as a long reliever than anything but the big question for me about auburn next year i think auburn will figure it out in the lineup if Auburn can get you five runs a ball game, four and a half runs a ball game, you know, right now Auburn's actually averaging like 4.9 runs a game in SEC play, I believe. If they can get you that, which isn't great, they can get you that though. Previous Butch Thompson teams, that's good enough to win you a lot of baseball games because it used to be if you could score three runs, you could win. And, it's kind and of, Auburn yeah. just needs to get back to where they're 
pitching staff was at several years ago and it's just not there and I wonder if they'll be able to get back to that next season so the answer that I that 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 I had for my wife as I was leaving the baseball game I just don't know and they're going to rely and I said this they're going to rely on development and some new guys coming in and if if you feel comfortable trusting this coaching staff's development hey you know I I I, at one point I I trust Butch Thompson at the moment I I just I'm wondering where it's kind of hard after you see this season these guys have been in the program for so long it's kind of hard to see where it where it's going to come from in the future you can't yeah. blame me on that one no and just the way you saw it this year and you had a lot of guys who were coming into pitch and you're thinking if these guys have developed and what their potential was you're thinking this is going to be a really good Auburn team this year and then well what happened pitching kind of kind of let you down a little bit this year granted had some injuries, doesn't help, but I mean, in overall, in general, even when you're taking away the injuries from the spectrum of this, they they still kind of let you down. You said it that if you're scoring four runs or so, three four runs, typically on a Butch Thompson team, that is enough to win you a ball game because the pitching has been so good in this tenure. Problem is, we got the hitting down. We've been able to get some runs. But now we haven't had. That's what's keeping you around in games at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing. It's been the long ball though, and Auburn's losing a lot of the long ball though. Ryan Ryan Bliss and Rankin Woolley are both leaving. You're losing some of your bigger bats. It's possible for Tyler Miller to leave after this year. Once again, I go back to how how long is this MLB draft? How many rounds are there? Because if it's if it's a long one, if it's a normal one, Tyler Miller may be gone. His draft stop may never be as high as it is right now you talk about that with Brody Moore as well some of these guys the bigger bats in the lineup they could be gone I mean because it might be like and that's where Auburn's runs come from strike where when the iron's hot and it might not be super hot right now but if you're looking at it and you're you said it like is it going to get any better than it is right now you look back into maybe a you look back for a basketball example with Jared Harper a lot of people are like yeah he really doesn't need to leave but are you ever going to have more eyes on you than just getting out of the Final Four? The only knock they had on him was how That's tall. That's such a good point. The only, had, the only knock was how tall he was. You think he's going to go back and grow in, grow in his senior year? Not really. You might as well go right now. Some guys might think that way. He's like, you know what? I'm hot right now. I got people looking at me. I might as well take it while I can. But I agree with you. It, it really depends on what's the length of the MLB draft this year because if it is something like five, that actually works out in Auburn's Benefits favor. Benefits Auburn greatly. Because you're going to get some guys back who are, you're going to get some fringe guys back who might go and might declare and go to the MLB draft if, if it would if it would have been a little bit longer. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's too early right now to tell whether or not this Auburn baseball team will be good next year or not. I don't, I, I'm just, just got to see what's coming back at the moment. You have potential to have some solid bats in the lineup, depending, I think, on how long this MLB draft is. But a look at some of the other things that have happened around the SEC this past weekend in SEC baseball. Vanderbilt took two out of three against Mississippi State. They sit alone at the top of the SEC East standings now as Tennessee is sitting at 12-6 and six overall. They entered into last weekend – a game behind Vanderbilt as well they also took two out of three they took two out of three against Texas A&M but considering A&M right now very much so in Auburn's ballpark of being in the cellar of the SEC West Tennessee misses an opportunity to rejoin Vanderbilt at the top of the SEC East Florida of course took two out of three against Auburn they draw within a game of Tennessee 
in second place Florida sitting at 11 and 7 which if you look at this Florida team in the midway point of the SEC baseball season after they had gotten swept by South Carolina well you know things look dramatically different now for Florida than where than where they were uh, a couple of weeks ago we're gonna head to a quick break here on on the line and when we come back we'll head to the phone lines and then we'll wrap up our number one stay with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama wrapping up our number one here of on the line Noah Garner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama going back just a moment to what we were talking about Auburn baseball got word from Bill Cameron of the drive coming up at four o'clock on on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama he let us know uh we uh missed this a couple of weeks ago earlier in April it was announced that the MLB would have a 20 round MLB draft this year which is still well short of what it typically is you know it's not 40 rounds long and it's not it's much more than what it was last year which was only five rounds but I still think that that is somewhat beneficial to Auburn if it was a 40 round draft I think you see a lot of these guys go but 20 round draft there's still potential for some guys to to not get picked off and then, yeah. then they'll come back to Auburn it, it helps it helps Auburn with the potential that guys might come back now next Richard year. Fitz now I haven't looked at his draft stock or anything but I could see someone drafting him in the first 20 rounds especially considering what his stock was like if it, did, did Richard Fitz's draft stock really drop from first round outside of 20 rounds no that would I don't be think an, that would be a colossal there's there's still going to be major league baseball teams out there looking at him thinking throw him in you know you can put him in yeah, the we farm can do system. something with this put guy, him in the know? farm system let him get some reps and he's still not the only thing that changed from the beginning of this year to now is the results and what we've seen from him all the you know the physical attributes are still there and you can work with a guy like that when someone is has a raw talent like that you're going to get drafted somewhere you're just raw and they're think and everybody thinks that they can fix it every every staff and every organization is like ah we could probably we could work with this he's a little too talented to pass up in a 20 round draft there's upside yeah, there's upside at that point before we wrap up our number one here let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. ABC is running a documentary on the 50-year impact of Sesame Street. Sesame Street 50 Years of Sunny Days is on at 7. On NBC, Snoop Dogg is back as mentor to all the teams on The Voice as part two of The Knockouts is on beginning at 7. Some movie selections for tonight, a pair of Fast and Furious movies is on AMC. 2006's Tokyo Drift is on at 5 and 2009's Fast and Furious is on at 7.30. Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is on FX at 6.30. Three men well past their college days decide to start a fraternity. Old school is on Paramount at 6. Doctor Strange is on TNT at 7. In live sports, the Atlanta Braves are in action at home against the Chicago Cubs at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Two NBA games are on NBA TV with the Phoenix Suns and the New York Knicks starting the action at 6.30 p.m. Wrapping up the night at 9 p.m., the Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento Kings will close out the schedule. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We only have about four minutes left here in hour number one. And let's switch gears here now to football. We've talked in our last two segments about baseball and Auburn baseball and who could be coming back next year. What does next year look like? It's kind of funny that you're already thinking about next year. There's still four series left, but this season definitely looks like mathematically as it has reached almost 
it looks like it's reached the precipice but you still like to see this Auburn baseball team play hard take some series and build towards next year maybe generate some confidence maybe for some of these guys individually they can put together a good tail end of the season maybe they see their draft stock jump into that top 20 rounds that we were just talking about but moving over to a topic of football it's draft week I know you tweeted out it's draft week or my something fa- like my that favorite week of the year I that's like I know a lot of people like March Madness I love March Madness but draft week draft coverage I love it I don't know why it's just I love it. It's so uh, I'm so excited. Really? I, I do. Like draft week is like my favorite. I don't know what it is, and I like I think it's because like I, I do find it interesting. Things. I just don't know if the week does it for me. Of course, like the day of, like Thursday through Saturday, it's it's great. I, say, I, I like it a lot, and I and I like to watch it. And I like to keep up with it. For me, I just like keeping up with it year round. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, it's more of a year-round thing than rather than just the week. I mean, just I keep because up with the it, calendar turned to yeah. Monday today, I wasn't like, oh yeah, woohoo! I keep up with it all year long. It's just when that week hits, that's when you start seeing some movements that are just people get a little bit more pressed. They're thinking, we've got to, you start seeing trades happening, a couple things. Sometimes you see big players on the move. It's not for just me, draft it's the picks call being exchanged. before the storm. I think if anything would have happened. If anything was going to happen by now, it would have already happened. Well, you have I don't th- think you'd wait till well, now. It's like you wake up and you see this morning where they're talking about the Jets have reportedly decided, but you know that they're going Matt Jones or Trey Lance at number three. You see like reports like that coming out there. I'm just like, uh-oh. Wait, who'd you just say? That the 49ers okay, have... Okay, I thought you re- said the Jets for some reason. I was no, like, what? Uh, that said the 49ers have reportedly decided between Matt Jones and Trey Lance, and I think that's a bit of a coach versus front office i think the front office is viewing more trey lance shanahan's going more mac jones which it's interesting it's interesting when stuff comes out like that but you know what season it is it's lying season they're lying it's justin fields they're lying i'm just telling you they're lying really they're lying just lying to try, but why would they want to throw everybody else off the scent uh, the Jets are a bad organization. If they're sitting there thinking, oh. Well, you just Jets. said the Jets again. No, this time I'm talking about okay. the Jets. No, this time I am talking about the Jets. The Jets are sitting there, you know, they're for all reports, are locked into Zach Wilson. But if the 49ers were behind them thinking, like, just kept talking about Justin Fields, Justin Fields, we like Justin Fields, the Jets might go, hmm, maybe Justin Fields is better than Zach Wilson. Maybe we should get them. They're lying. They're getting Justin Fields. It's happening. Well, that brings me to our topic that I do want to, curious through not you know we'll, we'll talk about it again in the second hour because we are running out of time here i want to rank the quarterbacks for this year's nfl draft class and say where we think they are going which we don't have a lot of time to get into this so we'll save this for hour number two mm-hmm. i want to ask you specifically about the patriots do they go quarterback i can see them getting quarterback i, I see them trading back up to get one um i could see them going up there just depending on i think it's now or never for the patriots and i'm really coming around to this cam newton he's running out of tread man yeah i mean running out of tread you saw i understand some of the, it some of the balls he was throwing last year i mean like they were going and you straight, may not like straight down into the ground almost you may not get this good of a draft class at quarterback at again. least at least where you could realistically not have to trade into the top five and get a quarterback because if any of these guys start slipping i think you see the patriots jump on a guy like if you see a justin fields a mac jones a trey lance maybe slip a little bit lower you're thinking you know what might have to take this opportunity and jump on one of those and don't you think the patriots get the most out of their quarterbacks typically yeah usually i mean they they, they did okay with the six round pick usually well i don't just mean the draft i mean guys that are currently on the roster and we'll, we'll talk about that at hour number two 
You're listening to On the Line. That's it for hour number one. We'll be back in just a few moments. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama, on foxsports983.com, and on Facebook, that's foxsports983.com. Going back to how we opened up today's show, ranking Auburn football's most important defensive players. We've given you three already. It's time for our top two, as promised, here at 3 p.m. on the line. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That'll get you through to On the Line. We want to hear from you. Who are your most important defensive players on Auburn football's team next season? Who's your most important? I want to hear that. Who is your most important player next season on the defensive side of the football for Auburn in 2021? We're going to give you our top two now. Levi, take it away. Number two. I'll finish up where you left off. It's it's edge. It, it doesn't matter which one. It's Your edge. defensive line's at the top. It's, it's edge rushing. Yeah, I think you can guess what the number one is as well. But the edge rushing guys, is it going to be a Derek Hall? Like, who's it? You know, is it T.G. Moultrie off the edge? Like, somebody's got to generate an edge rush. Somebody does. you got to well, get me a after player. the quarterback. I like, I like Derek Hall a little bit. I mean, I think he's you know probably he's the, the leader. Yes, I think he's the leader. And also, I think he's probably the best player that we have at the edge position right now. He's the one I'm – he's the one I have the most confident confidence in – because I've seen him at least do it. I think he's a leader. I think he comes out and plays well. But he's you got to get it. I mean, we already went through this a little bit with your standing where you were talking about they need to find a pass rush because you're going to have teams in the SEC. This isn't the old SEC. This isn't smash mouth where you're just lining up in the I formation and you're running the football. It's not that anymore. You got Alabama spreading it out. You got Ole Miss. You got Mississippi State. You LSU. Set, LSU. LSU may not have a good quarterback, but they, they are still going to throw the ball 40 times a game. If they find a good quarterback, then watch out because you'll see what happened. That's what happened with Joe Burrow last year. Or, you know, that's what happened with Joe Burrow the national championship season. Because Georgia may – see, Georgia and LSU are inverses of each other. LSU's like, I don't care that we don't have a good quarterback. We're throwing the ball 40 times a game. Georgia's like – we have the best returning quarterback in the SEC. Who cares? We're going to run the ball eighty times. We have the best. <laughs> we have one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Let's let him go to Ohio State. <laughs> they don't even want to play the quarterback. It's not that they don't even want to throw it. They don't even want to let him play. He's not even going to see the field anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's just football's football transitioning to that, and the SEC is becoming. I mean, South Carolina even brought in an Oklahoma offensive coordinator. Uh, Tennessee. Big 12's coming into the, uh, and, and he became. The head coach. So, like, Big 12's trending into the SEC now. Uh, Josh Hoipel, look, I mean, he passed the ball a lot at UCF. He's the head coach at Tennessee. They might not have the quarterback. We're not sure. This tells you anything about the transition of the SEC to a new age in college football. It's already occurred. But from the northernmost 
are, are, are from the northwesternmost tip of the United States of America. Wazoo. A coach by the name of Mike Leach, the air raid, is at Mississippi State. You thought that was like like a couple years ago? Like you, you, you would never have thought that that would have ended up in this league. And then all of a sudden it happens. You're like, is this a joke? And of course, like it didn't go great last year. But Mississippi State's showing up in some projections this year as being one of the better teams in the SEC West, which I don't buy. I don't buy it whatsoever. But still, you want to talk about this schedule right here. LSU's going to throw the ball, could throw the ball around 40 times a game. Georgia has the quarterback to do it. You put Georgia and LSU's offensive scheme, a lot better of an offense, let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Works out a lot better. But. Especially with the receivers that are on Georgia's roster along with the running backs they have. I'm still worried about Georgia's line. That might dictate them, but I mean – they have the arm talent at Georgia to throw it 40 times a game if they need to. Ole Miss, definitely going to throw the ball around 40 times a game. They're they going to throw the ball a lot. They might hit 50. They might hit 50 sometimes. It's like Mississippi State. Like you, the Mississippi schools, you wouldn't be surprised if you looked at it and saw 50, especially from Mississippi State. I'm not sure what Texas A&M is going to do. Yeah, They're Texas, still probably trying to figure that out, considering they've got to replace their it's, quarterback. It's funny, that the, it's funny that one of the Big 12 teams that came into the conference a few years ago might throw the ball some of the least amount of times in the conference right now just because they the quarter they, they have a new quarterback coming in you don't know what you're getting out of them mississippi state and alabama both are going to air it out so you got at least five teams right there and in our, the sec schedule alone which you play eight that's more than half all you can make the argument are more pass oriented than they are run oriented with the exception of georgia but they have a quarterback that can make them that way people have to remember jt daniels averaged over 300 pass yards a game last year when he played yeah, I mean that's that's a good, whew. he's he's the that's be- in the Georgia offense and they their receivers look good. I, I mean, yes, you're missing George Pickens. That's that's awful. Like I mean, he he was going to solidify a deeper receiver room, but he looked like they had some dudes out there playing at a day. And if you have a guy who can throw who can average 300 yards in Georgia's scheme, he's he's a legitimate quarterback because if you can th- if you can get that kind of yardage when it's a run first offense. You're going to you're pretty good. You can throw the football, you can spin the bean around, and you gotta you gotta wonder how are you gonna stop guys like this? Well, get a pass rush. You've got it, you've got you're good on the back end, but how good is that if they have, I don't know, all day to throw the football? Which happened a lot. Which happened. It may happened a lot. Like I wouldn't have been surprised if the defensive backs were going in there and just punching defensive linemen after the game. I mean, you're making them look bad at times. Look at last year's LSU game. Auburn's most dominant performance of the season. What happened? They got after the quarterback. Strip sacks, forced turnovers. They were back there. They were living in the backfield. They made T.J. Finley, who looked good the week before, look awful the next week. And then he lost his job. You want to talk about what this team could look like get a pass rush because the secondary is going to make things awful for opposing quarterbacks already but you get the pass rush now you're obviously it's like it's like making some quarterbacks in this league some some quarterback for some okay now jt daniels more equipped for this bryce young young guy but still probably more equipped for this just they're better quarterbacks but for 80 percent of your schedule what it would be the equivalent of is making someone who has never taken calculus and make them take a test like under timed circumstances and you had to hit like 
an 80 percent or something like that to pass the class like and you only got one test against them you understand like yeah because you only get one game against these teams right so you only get one test to pass the class and then these dbs already it's an extremely difficult subject but now you've only got like 25 minutes to take the test right and it's like <laughs> i can't do that <laughs> i'm i'm in a back brace right now i could go outside with a you football. Are math major i could go outside with a with a back brace on right now and i could throw a football and probably hit a target if you give you know if i'm just sitting there with nobody in front of me but are you if, sure yeah i mean I've, i mean I've, you're, you're kind of wearing the <laughs> i was a pitcher in high school so there's natural <laughs> accuracy going on with the back brace with the back brace i mean stand you know that's your warm-up that's your warm-up where you're planted you're throwing I could probably still hit it with nobody in front of me. Now, you go and hit me while I'm doing that. One, my back's probably going to snap in half. But two, it's going to be a lot harder to hit the target when you have, I don't know, someone hitting you. And then you equate that to the football field where, let's see, these guys are what, 250, 300-something pound, you know, lineman barreling at you. It's, it's it, Your job becomes harder. And especially if you already have guys on the back end who we're trusting and are, you know, what we think is probably going to be one of the better units not only just in the sec but in the country in terms of a defensive backfield they're not going to have a guy to bail them out and throw it to most of the time you're every now and then you're going to have some guy who's just a good receiver gets open finds a soft zone in coverage might bail him out you might have a running back leaking out but if you're getting pressure with the defensive backfield that you have it's going to be hard and i think that's why this is one this is an important aspect of the all like this is why they're so high on my list to have an edge rusher and I'm going to point to Derek Hall if I'm pointing at one guy because he's the guy who I think could take this step. You're going to have to hit them. You're going to have to get them off their game. You're going to have to make them pass a calculus test when they've never taken a day in their life. Question. You were a math major in college for a long period of time, right? Yes, for a pretty yep. good bit. You hated yourself for, for three quarters of college. <laughs> it actually wasn't that bad. It, like Calculus was fine. It wasn't Did you take Cal 2? I'm took, sure you took Cal 2, I took right? Cal 1, Cal 2, and Cal 3. It would be like, and Cal 2 is regarded as, the, uh, as the hardest one. Yeah. I took I took Calculus. I was a, I was a engineering major before I, or pre-engineering, I guess, before I moved over into uh, searching for, searching for hope in this field that I'm in now, which is, which is great. And, it, and I didn't leave engineering out of, it being too difficult or anything, I finished with a 4-0 after my first semester. But Cal 2, I, I thankfully avoided. I, I didn't take Cal 2. I just took Cal 1. But I've heard horror stories about it. And that's like forcing people like Cal 2 to like take a test in like 30 minutes. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, you that's, Could you have done that? What, but you probably knew people in the class that could have done that. I mean, we could like you could do it and you could probably make decent on the test, but you're also you're hurting yourself. Like it's not. You're not going to be as efficient in your answers as you would be if you had an hour to take the test, an hour right. and a half to take the test. Just look so, at that. If you're not get, if the quarterback has more time, oh, odds are someone's going to break off. Someone's going to come back, break their route off, go find a soft spot in the zone if they're in zone coverage, and or even if the running backs just a leak out of a, the backfield and just a little outlet pass. You know, you got your your little safety net down there. And you can get two, three yards if you're rushing the if you're rushing the quarterback and getting after him. Even if you don't sack him, zero yards gained on the play, and you're sitting better than you were. My number two on this list that we are ranking the most important defensive players for Auburn football next season. Your number two was Derek Hall. I, I'm going the defensive back route. I've put Auburn's defensive backs at the top of my list because I believe this to be an elite unit, or it has the potential to be an elite unit. And if they play like it, 
then this Auburn football defense is going to be dangerous. Very, very dangerous. But I've got Smoke Monday at two, which Smoke Monday is not even on your list. And I've got Smoke Monday at two because think about how many times the top was blown off this defense last year. That has to stop. Auburn has to stop giving up the big play downfield. Also, the other side of this, not even just talking about Smoke Monday's improvement, Smoke Monday has the, has the ability with his ball hawking skills to change a football game. Pick sixes. He's got two of them in his career. He had one last year, had one two years ago that helped Auburn win the Iron Bowl. If it doesn't happen, Auburn does not win the Iron Bowl, you know? And so my thing for, for Smoke Monday is not only is this position crucial to Auburn making things difficult on opposing quarterbacks and making them have to work for every single yard that they get, but also he could become a turnover machine on the defensive side of the football. It just four picks this year, four or five picks this year, I'll say four, four picks this year are going on the lower end of the spectrum. If he had four interceptions this year, that could change the scope of four different football games this season, right? And if they come in some of the most important games of the season, that could that could win you some ball games that you may have not have expected to win beforehand. So for me, Smoke Monday at two, I think he has, among some of the guys that we have listed already, because of the nature of his position, he has some of the most ability to impact the ball game in a great way because of how impactful turnovers can be and interceptions can be. That's why I've got Smoke Monday towards the top of my list because when he makes a big play, it could turn a game upside down. And that's fair. And that's a really, really good way to put it because the impact of what he's doing can shift a game drastically. I mean, and he's go- done it. And he's regarded as a le- as the leader of this defense. So I yeah, think you- it's important to put him at the top of the list. That's true. And that's very fair. And I think I might overlook Smoke Monday a little bit when I was making <laughs> my list. I was I think I mean what? he would he would have been down there. I mean he would have been around the six, but I, it's it's it comes to the fact that I just I trust that he's gonna play well. That's that's what sure. I, I value You didn't have both the linebackers on the list. I, I understand. Like, I, I took the linebackers off my list because I trust they're going to play I well. Like, I just val- like I'm valuing the the trust and the talent of those guys. And I and I'm and I'm saying that you know what, I think these guys are gonna play very well, but for this defense to take the next step, you gotta have some of the guys who I'm not confident are going to play well next year and didn't show me a lot last year. And that's just a little difference. But yeah, Smoke Monday, he can turn, especially say you're in the red zone or, you know, offense is in the red zone and they're about to score a touchdown. Next thing you know, it's going for six the other way. That completely flips the game. That is a 14 point swing in a football game. That is huge. And it, he does have that ability to do things like that. If you can swap, if you can swing, I mean, think about, um, the way I look at it, uh, the Texas A&M game 2014, if I'm not mistaken, Auburn's kicking a field goal to go into the half. It gets blocked and taken back for a touchdown by Texas A&M. I blocked that from my memory. Yeah. But pun intended. What is that? Yeah, pun intended. Not intended. What is that? Ten points. I can't sw- take credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> Ten-point swing. Ten-point swing in a football game. And it, Smoke Monday has that ability. He has the ability to take, a, take an interception and turn it into a scoring. talked about happy thoughts. What about the pick? Six at the end of the first half against Kentucky, which I know it got called back, but still the pick changed the dynamic. I mean, it happened. It happened in the Iron Bowl against Alabama. You take an interception all the way back when they're about to score in the red zone. It changes the entire game. Pick sixes in general completely change the game. The momentum they change their their swings, especially depending on where they're on the field. Smoke Monday has that ability. He's a good athlete who can do that for you. Who's your number one? Let's go ahead and wrap up this list here. You're number one. Let's just go ahead and say a guy like... The most important player in the Auburn defense of 2021 
Tell it to me now. It's whoever's playing in the defensive tackle. Let's just go ahead and say so you're like saying nose coach, tackle, like our defense tackle, defensive end. Like it doesn't matter. Oh, Kobe so you Boyd. don't even you're not even talking about nose tackle here. You're talking about just in defensive line, like an interior guy in general. I need someone who can stop the run. Uh, maybe like Colby Wooden on defensive end, Tyron Truesdale, uh, Lee Hunter if he's getting into the game, Zakevius Walker. Like some of these guys on the defensive line who want to fill gaps and want to stop the run because we hit on we hit on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the linebackers. Yeah, Colby Wooden at four. We were talking about this here. Yeah, we have a guy like and you know, I regard Colby Wooden as probably the guy who's going to be the more important out of these guys, but I just went ahead and listed all of them because if any of them want to step up, that's just even more. That's awesome. Just somebody like Colby Wooden who can fill gaps because if they're not doing that, the linebackers are going to look worse. And the linebackers we know are a good unit. Like I just don't think that I don't think the linebackers are necessarily a problem on this team. I don't think that the defensive backfield is necessarily a problem on this team. There are strong points for this defensive team. Problem is, for those two units to show the talent they have and perform to what I think is their top ability, you're going to need production from the defensive line. If you can't stop the run, and that's why I valued the run over the edge, and I know it's weird that we said that because we were like, oh, well, you know, they're training towards a passing team. Well, or a passing, it's a training toward a passing game. Well, if they run it on first down and they get four or five, six yards because nobody's filling the gap and you're having Jacoby McClain, Noah and Papo tackling four or five yards down the field, well, guess what? Now they now their offensive playbook is wide open. They have so much more options. That's why I think it's important to get them behind the sticks or even even with the sticks at like a second and 10, maybe a second and nine, second and 11, second and 12, when you can get pressure and stop or get, you know, get a bit of a push. Fill some gaps. Stop the run a little bit. That way you're forcing them into a, a worse position offensively. You're forcing them to throw the football, which, oh, by the way, it's it's what you're better at stopping because you have such a good. You have great defense backs. And you, it might it's probably going to be an elite one in the country, at least based off of talent, if it materializes to what it looks like on paper. It should be one of the best units in the country. I have a hard time, and this, this is why I've got Derek Hall and Kobe Wooden down on my list a little bit more. I have a hard time singling out defensive lineman because I've yet to see someone emerge as a playmaker that's why I don't have them towards the top of my list I have a hard time singling them out as most important players on this Auburn defense I agree with you the most important unit on this Auburn football team next year if if this defense is going to be successful is the defensive line if the defensive line crumbles and plays like it did last year in his average unit, then it's going to make the linebackers and the defensive backs both worse units themselves, and Auburn's defense won't be nearly as successful. But if you've got a great defensive line coupled up with those two units, this this could be one of the best defenses in the SEC slash the country. That's what you're looking at with Auburn right now, talent at the second and third levels at the moment. But for me, I had a hard time putting those guys higher because I – I don't know who's going to emerge as the major playmaker on those lines. So I have a hard time saying, well, these guys are the most important players on the team. I would say Roger McCreary, number one on my list for Auburn. He's most your, important. He's your best player. He's your best player. He's the guy yeah. you're going to. And again, that's how we evaluated it. We did our list a little bit differently. Yeah. And that's why I don't worry about it as much. I think he's a lockdown corner. I think he's going to solidify this. He's going to solidify either one guy, one half of the field, whatever they want to run with him. He could do those. Dino, those are, those are my points. I mean, Roger McCreary, very much so, man-to-man, lockdown. They're going to have him follow the best receiver on the other teams. And I've already said this is a passing league, and if you can lock down those guys and force your, the quarterback to go some to go a little bit deeper in his wide receiver depth chart in terms of who he's targeting, this Auburn secondary is 
really good top to bottom compared to others in the SEC as well. And I think they've got the quality to match up or be better than the receivers that they face down the line, like two, two and on. At the top, Roger McCreary may face a wide receiver at some point on one of these teams next year that could be better than him. But if Roger McCreary can lock down every single top dog in the SEC next year, then this Auburn defense is going to have a chance to be successful because it goes it goes hand in hand with, like I said, making opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable. Roger McCreary is going to play a major part in this Auburn defense next year. And I think he's the most important player on this defense because he spearheads the effort at cornerback. And at the moment, that's Auburn's best unit. So that's why I've got him at the top of, at the top of my list. But it took us a little while, but we were able to, to go through and rank our top five most important defensive players for Auburn next season. And that's good. And when you were talking about that, it made me think, and you can do this really quickly before we go to break, who's the best receiver coming back in the SEC? Like it's it's a hard question. Like when you when I initially heard it, I said, "Whoa, who is going to be the best receiver in the SEC next year?" And that that gives you even more confidence in a guy like Roger McQuarrie because you trust him to lock down and handle guys. Is John that you, Mechie at the top of that list. It's like John or towards the top of that list. I would say John Mechie. I like Traylon Burks a lot out of Arkansas. I think he takes a big step forward. Uh, it, I mean, his Keisha, quarterback play and the fact that he doesn't have other good receivers around him though allows defenses to focus on, on Burks him. himself. Yes. Like you can devote two defensive backs to Traylon Burks, especially so with like, Mike Woods leaving and going to you know out to Oklahoma. Like you're, I'm not concerned with Burks whatsoever. You bring him up, and I understand you're excited about his talent. The guy will end up being a fourth or fifth round wide receiver just because of where he plays at in his situation. Yeah, it's it's could end up being a steal one day. It looks like it's like, it kind of reminds you a little bit of like how Seth Williams was used last year, where yeah, exactly where you, like that. Where if it's you the got exact a guy, same situation. As talented as he is. His situation might not allow him to flourish, but yeah, I think John Mechie might be the best one, and you trust Roger McCreary to at least, you know, stop a That's guy tough. like that. Yeah, I don't know, man. We'd have to go and do some serious research because, like, it would it would it, it could come from a smaller conference team because the best receivers they're on the gone. best teams yeah, are, gone. are either gone or hurt. And I say hurt because George Pickens would have been at the top of this list in terms of talent. We're going to have a quick break here on On the Line. When we come back, we're going to start ranking the quarterbacks for this year's NFL draft class and say where we think they're going. Our NFL draft QB rankings coming up here on On the Line. You're on the line with Noel Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 25 minutes into hour number two. We've got about five minutes left in this segment. Going to rank our quarterbacks for this year's NFL draft class and say where we think they are going. I've got a hot take on mine, and I like it. I do, and I think it's going to make some Alabama people happy as well. Just the tease. Of course, you and I's top two guys are going to be the same top two guys as everywhere else that you'll look. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, I would imagine our top two and Trevor Lawrence at number one Zach Wilson at number two we're not disagreeing on that are we no no and that's how it's going to go in the draft Trevor one Lawrence and two. best best prospect since Andrew Luck at quarterback um Zach Wilson he's a guy that I think I was talking to my brother about this on the way here to the radio station where he looked at me and said that's probably the best explanation I've heard for why Zach Wilson jumped Justin Fields and I think it's because all eyes were on Justin Fields throughout the season people really weren't paying attention to Zach Wilson that much at BYU and I think once the season ended and people started looking at some once of the Once he tape, got to play Coastal Carolina at the end of the year, all eyes on Zach no, I'm, Wilson. I'm talking about once the, after the season's <laughs> ended because people yeah. still weren't paying attention then. I'm talking about they looked at film and sure. they, were, they were seeing, 
wow, this guy throws with such anticipation. He's got a big arm. He's it he's doesn't a guy. concern you at all who he played against. No, because I don't look at I don't look at who he's playing. Against. I don't I'm not looking at stats. I don't care about stats when I'm evaluating a prospect. I, I don't look care about at, stats either. But we were talking about a math test earlier when we were talking about mm-hmm. playing good yeah. competition, and at BYU. He was not faced with a difficult test. Well, I mean, I've seen it's like him. taking pre-cal and getting he's, an hour to take yeah, the test, he right? Still, he still makes the throws. I, I can see that he can make the throws. I've seen him make throws with pressure in his face. That it, do, it doesn't concern me. I mean, it's just like the way I felt with Josh Allen coming out where you see a guy who, a little bit raw. Still a prospect. But can make can make the throws that are necessary and could even develop better. Like And, you know, like I've told you this before, I like the upside on guys, I like seeing. I'd rather miss on a guy at two or three at quarterback, and then be terrible in the next few years and roll it again. I like the upside guys because the worst thing you can be is eight and eight, nine and eight, whatever you whatever you want to do now because they added the other game eight and nine, nine and eight. It's the worst you can be because you're always going to just be middling around, not getting a good pick, and you're going to be running guys like you know Matt Moore out there for the Dolphins for a few years where you're just eight and eight and. Now, can we get, get rid of ties now that we've got another game? Can we get rid of ties? No, I don't know. That that was a pretty important tie they what had. What tie? Like, what purpose do ties serve in the game of football? This isn't soccer. I, I think you of all people would have been on board with this after what I just said. But still, it's yeah. I mean, I I agree because I think you should always have a winner. Problem is, it's the way they're. It's the way. It's not based on a point system. Like in soccer, it works because if you tie, you get a point. Yeah. If you win, you get three. If you lose, you get none. Mm. It's not like that in the league, man. These ties, if anything, just make it more complicated. Why can't we just have a winner? Even in soccer, I'm on that boat. Why can't we just have a winner? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm that way in every sport. The problem is it's the way the overtime is set up. Change it. Oh, yeah. I I like the college model, but just move it back to the 50-yard line. Move back to the 45, 50 yard line. Why does line. it matter though? Why not just play it at the 25? Yeah, because kickers are better in the NFL. They'll make those most of the time, I think. Like, make I, it where you can't where you can't kick a field goal. I mean, that's fine too. You I have mean, to I mean, you score do, a touchdown you, to win. I mean, you know how I feel. From you, the I, 25. You know I'm okay with that. Man, you know that I'm actually, okay with not kicking field that goals. That might take a while though. That yeah. might take a while. That's Maybe not, there's some type of sudden death that we can do. Who, who alternate two point conversions? I mean, something like that. That's fine with me. I mean, th- let the quarterback go out gonna there. That's going to make people upset, just like it does in soccer for penalty kicks. You're like, well, they didn't decide the best team. It's like, well, neither did the first 40 minutes. Yeah, win before Not that. Not 40 minutes, 60 minutes, excuse me. Win 40 because of basketball. I said, win before it. Win before that. Yeah. Don't let it get that far then. Exactly. Well, we'll come back. We'll rank our quarterbacks on the other side of this break. We got two of them out of the way. That's right. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Thirty minutes through on the line, hour number two of on the line. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390. Thirty minutes will be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater, with you in the studio. Ranking our quarterbacks for this year's NFL draft class and where we think they're going. We've gotten our top two off the board here. Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars and the Jets will take Zach Wilson at number two. You seem to really like Zach Wilson a lot. 
Yeah, I do. And I've, it, it comes like from, to the point where it almost sounds like you like him the most out of this entire class. No, it's just it's because I haven't like I don't evaluate Trevor Lawrence that much. Bec- like, I don't get that excited because I know that he's the best prospect. But like I, I might have a, I'm, I like Zach Wilson a lot as a prospect because he's a guy that I spent a lot of time watching because you know what you're getting with Trevor Lawrence. You've seen that. Zach Wilson's one of those guys where you kind of got to dig deeper. You got to go in there and in depth and look at it because let's be honest, you watched BYU Coastal Carolina and that was it. You didn't watch much, much more. You weren't watching University of North Alabama not covering against BYU for what you know for whatever reason. I don't know why you'd watch that game, but you nobody's watching University of North Alabama play BYU. You're just not doing it. So you got to go in depth, and I like what he does. I am worried about his hand size. Hand size is a little small. Other than that, I think he makes really good throws. And uh, his anticipation is crazy. Rocket arm. I like him a lot. My number three is a hot take. And I'm here for it. I think I know you have a number three. I'm buying the hype for the Jets. to Whether the Jets, or not the Jets, whether the 49ers. Now you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You did it earlier. Now I'm doing it. And it's because of you. Whether or not the 49ers actually take him or not, it remains to be seen. I definitely think it's more likely that the 49ers take Mac Jones or Justin Fields. It's preposterous that we see in news reports today that Trey Lance could be taken at number three overall over those two quarterbacks. Preposterous. You think so? Outrageous. I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it. Look, the guy could end up being really, really good. Mm -hmm. It's not the Niners' place to go in for a prospect. They're a quarterback away from being back towards the top of the NFC and, and getting back in the mix to go to the Super Bowl again. Nothing changed off the roster, man, other than guys got hurt last year, and now they're gifted with the ability to to pick whoever they want at three. Go and get who you want. Don't go and get the prospect and the project out of North Dakota State because we all saw how well that worked out the last time a quarterback came out of North Dakota State. Don't do it. You you are d- just draft what you know. It, d- just go with the safe pick. You've got a good coordinator here or a good head coach slash coordinator in Shanahan and what he's able to drop. Go and get the two quarterbacks that are the most that that are further along that you will be able to draft at that spot. You know that Lawrence and Wilson can be off the board at that point. Go and get one of the guys after that that you know are better than Trey Lance. Now you know that you do. I mean that's fair. I mean that's fair to think that. Like you, so you think Mac Jones? Is, Mac Jones is your third guy, right? Like you're. I like Mac Jones more than Justin Fields. I do, and a lot of that stems from what we talked about last week, and it kind of pulled me onto this side. And and when I was reading that, the uh, there was a athletic piece that was written about it, um, that an anonymous coach said that Mac Jones was the most advanced quarterback in this year's draft class not the best but the most advanced basically talk about his football IQ and what he knows how to do that is going to translate immediately to the NFL level what he's already been taught right now the drawbacks to Mac Jones at three is how much can his physical game develop of course he's never going to be a runner that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about even his arm strength his and I think he's got enough arm to make NFL caliber throws he's shown it in the collegiate level already just does his mobility play a, play a part in the longevity in his career because he could take a lot of hits? Is he going to be able to move around in the pocket effectively like he's going to need to in this day's game in the NFL? And and can his arm can his arm 
consistently make the throws that he's going to be asked to you know that Justin Fields will be able to do those things he's got the arm he's got the legs he's got the physical traits the question for me on Justin Fields side is and this is stuff that we've seen on film of him in college I think it is decision making when you step out onto the field I I I don't know where all this stuff is coming out about his character and all that stuff uh, because he he's never been in trouble I mean, the guy's never been in trouble and he's led his football team i don't know where we've gotten to on that one that 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 i don't read into whatsoever i'm talking purely about what i've seen on the football field between mac jones and justin fields i see more i, I see better things cerebrally right now at the moment mm-hmm. in terms of decision making out of mac jones than, than i think we have out of justin fields at the moment and i agree with the with the assessment that mac jones is coming in considering he's been with steve sarkeesian who already incorporates a lot of advanced concepts into the alabama offense it could be a seamless transition into kyle shanahan's offense with the 49ers could be i mean there will still be hiccups here and there but he could be the most mac jones could be walking into a situation if he's drafted by the 49ers mac jones could be walking into a situation where he is the most ready to win quarterback out of this draft class and that that's more about the Niners situation than Mac Jones, but I do think Mac Jones' track record already with where he's played at does give him the ability to be super successful with the 49ers. Now, and, does he end up having the best career out of all these quarterbacks? That's a completely different thing. Oh yeah, th- those are different things. I like Zach Wilson a lot, but he's I think he's going to the Jets, and I mean we we know how that goes. <laughs> we know how that goes, and he might have the worst career just because. He ends up on the Jets. Now, yeah. it's a new, it's a new era. You got Robert Sala. Am I there. wrong in my? Do you disagree with my assessment? I don't. On Matt no, Jones? no, no. I don't disagree with any. Like I disagree at him being my third quarterback. That sure, I, I just meant in my assessment of no, him as a quarterback every, versus yes. Justin Fields. Better decision making on Mac Jones no, yeah. than the Justin Fields from what I, we've seen in college. Yes, and I don't know. I don't know if that comes from. Does that come from? Uh, does it come from Mac Jones like being in a system where he felt more comfortable making those decisions? Did the coaching staff help him? Because, I mean, a lot of times you see quarterbacks make bad decisions. They go to a system that just fits them better. They, they might grasp it a little better. I mean, there are some times where you're playing video games. We'll, we'll say Super Smash Bros., for instance. You feel more comfortable with one character than you do the other. You know, you feel Can't more... Can't use Yoshi to save my life, but anytime I'm facing somebody who is comfortable with Yoshi, I hate my life. And sometimes Stinks. that's how it is. Sometimes, you dri- sometimes you're driving a car and you're like, man, this, this feels nice. Then you go hop in somebody else's ride and you're like, this this is just weird, man. It like and some like that can happen in football. I drive an Altima. My wife hates it. Yeah, like and that's not how it, the fact that I drive one, but she hates driving my car. Yeah, and that's how it can happen in football. Like sometimes you just fit a system very well. I think Mac Jones does well with a system. I think he would do well in a Shanahan system. But I like and I I'm not saying he's a system quarterback. I just think that the system that he did play in. I think he's a system fit, quarterback. I think he fit in what he did. You think he's a system quarterback? I think he's a system quarterback. You don't think he'd go anywhere and play? No. It's fair. That is fair. I I like what he. I think it's definitely predicated on his success. Definitely will be predicated on him. Fi- I, I, he's a very specific style quarterback. The guy doesn't possess top notch physical traits that can be applied to anything. He doesn't possess top notch mobility or really mobility at all, which means there's that X's out a lot of the league in today's you, day. And you know age. what? That that is fair. The way that the game is trending, it's leaving quarterbacks yeah. like Mac Jones behind. Look at all the other quarterbacks in this draft class. Who's the guy that's left? Who, who's the odd man out? <laughs> yeah. It's Matt Jones. Jones. Yeah. All the other guys can move. This guy cannot. The, 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 this day and age of college football has changed. Matt Jones, I, and I don't mean system quarterback to be a bad thing. 
If the guy That's goes fair. to the right, pl- there are a couple teams. Mac, in the Jones is, Mac Jones isn't going to the Ravens. Let's be honest; he's no. not going to the Ravens. Like, no, definitely not. And, and and not even if the Ravens didn't have Lamar Jackson, I don't think he's going to the Ravens. You know, but like, and the way that the game has shifted, they kind of have. You can almost make the argument that players like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are system quarterbacks. Because there are very few teams that are at that extreme that's, in the yeah, NFL that's also to fair. where they run their quarterbacks like that. But I think there are just a couple of teams in the league that could like really get the most out of Mac Jones being on their roster. And the 49ers are one of them. I would say the Patriots are another, are another one because earlier we were talking to the show that the Patriots get the most of any quarterback that's on the roster. Look at all the ones. They got just as much out of Jimmy Garoppolo as the 49ers have been able to get out of Jimmy Garoppolo. And it, of course different amounts of games and, and the Niners went to a Super Bowl with him but Garoppolo played well with the Patriots and I don't think we've seen him play any better with the Niners than we have seen him with the Patriots Tom Brady of course excellent the one year that Tom Brady was hurt with his leg injury you brought up off air that Matt Castle had an outstanding season trying to think Jacoby Brissett played better in a Patriots uniform than he did in a Colts uniform you look at all the guys that have played as quarterback for the Patriots they've done pretty well and so I think the Patriots are another example of a place that draws their system around their QB and they can get the most out of a guy like Mac Jones. Very few teams, though, do I actually feel comfortable with Mac Jones playing quarterback at, but the Niners are one of them. And so you're thinking, so you got, you got Mac Jones as your third best quarterback and you also have him going third in the draft to the Niners. Yes. I, I still think it's lying season. I think they're lying. I, I really do. I think they're going Justin Fields. Like, I don't care. I think the Niners pick Justin Fields, but. That's not. I have Trey Lance in my third quarterback. You know how I feel. I like the guy with the most upside. He's mobile. He's he just he's big body. He reminds me of like like a little bit less athletic Josh Allen. Like a Josh Allen that doesn't run quite as well, but he can. Big guy, kind of like a Stafford, where he's got the arm to make all these throws, but a little raw coming in. And that's why I don't think he goes to the 49ers, but I do have him as my third quarterback, if that makes sense, because what you said was spot on. They don't them taking a guy who needs to develop right now does not make sense. It, like, you would want a guy that you think you could plug in. You're talking in. about Trey Lance? Yes. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense for the 49ers draft Trey Lance. Do I think he's the third-best prospect coming out? Yes. Does it feel like it fits with the 49ers at three? No. No, not at not all. Not at all. That, that's that's crazy that we saw that today. But still, going back, and that's, once again, sometimes unless, front offices get, like, unless you're unless you crazy, really tr- Unless you really trust Jimmy Garoppolo to take you there and you want to sit on... You want to sit on a guy like Trey Lance for a year or two. I could see that happening, but I still think when it's all said and done, I think they get Justin Fields. I think it's all smoke. I think they've been wanting Fields from the get-go. I think come Thursday, Justin Fields is going to be a 49er. But and just to kind of segue, Justin Fields is also my fourth. I've got Mac Jones as my five. Okay. And they, they're in tiers. Trevor Lawrence, tier by himself. Nobody's close. Zach Wilson, he's second. Just a little bit above everybody else. Then Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Honestly, Splitting hairs. it depends on how I feel that morning. It depends on so what So do you team. think Mac Jones ends up in a Patriots uniform? Yeah, I think. Oh, that would be. I, that would. Auburn fans would drive themselves mad about that because I, I do. I have said this before. I said this uh, several months ago. I said, look, guys, just wait. Last football season, yep. I said, look, guys, just wait. Mac Jones is taking Cam Newton's I, job. I think Justin so. Fields at three. I think the Falcons are sitting there. They're looking. They're going. Our big needs are like cornerback on the defensive end. Patriots start calling, start saying, hey, we want to try to get Mac Jones. Falcons can't say no to the to some picks, get a little bit of capital, move back. They get Mac Jones, and then Trey Lance is probably sitting there for the Broncos to take him. Looking at Mac Jones versus Justin Fields here, I'll say this. 
Mac Jones has a lower ceiling, I think a higher floor. Yep, I can see that. Justin Fields, higher ceiling. But I, I'll, I'll say this, I don't think his floor is much lower than Mac Jones. Because I think every I think Matt Jones is very capable of busting if he doesn't go to the right team. Oh yeah. But I also think though nobody's bust proof. <laughs> None of right. these quarterbacks are bust proof. But I also think though that it's more likely that many different teams in the league are willing to take Justin Fields than they are for Mac Jones. Yeah, it's like a select. I think that few. there are a couple that will be like, I like this guy. This yeah. guy is going to play well in our system. We can make this guy work. I like him. But I think there are a lot of teams that see Justin Fields because he's got so he, he's got more traits that are NFL quality that Mac Jones does. Yeah, and it, it, again, it just goes off of what kind of system you're wanting to want run. So, so maybe even if Mac Jones doesn't go at three. So actually, I'll admit this. I'll admit this. I like Mac Jones to three with the Niners because I think it fits. But I'll say this. I do think Justin Fields better overall quarterback. I'll say better overall quarterback. Yeah. Now for the system in San Francisco, kind of like Mac Jones more, to be honest. But maybe I'm just buying into the narrative. But and still. I think Justin Fields brings a lot to the table that you could do, you know, that that Shanahan could really get to because yeah. people forget. There's versatility there. Shan- Shanahan had RG3 playing really well, and Justin Fields, very RG3-like with a lot of his plays. Just like better arm. Better arm than RG3. Uh, maybe not as high of a completion percentage because RG3 had a ridiculous completion percentage coming out of uh, college. But the athleticism, the ability to run there, he does seem to have a healthier – track record than rg3 so you can hope that maybe you can look in for an upside of you know that rg3 rookie season extended where you don't have to worry about knee injuries acl injuries coming back to bite you but you're running that risk let's be honest odds are out of the what the five guys we were just talking about the top five the quarterbacks here the guys that people are looking to get in the first round i think odds are probably two or two of them maybe even three of them probably gonna bust and a guy lower on the list ends up popping off like I mean you see that a lot Aaron Rodgers was you know one of the last quarterbacks picked in that first round look at him now that kind of happens Trey Lance's position in the draft concerns me for his career though it's not a whole lot of teams that I trust where he's drafted where where he could be drafted it's not a whole lot of teams that I trust with him I could also see the Broncos trading up with the Falcons and trying to nab Mac Jones as well because let's be honest John Elway has a type and he, he, Mac Jones is a tall guy who really just kind of played with some pretty good receivers. That's just kind of like what he's done. He's like really tall guys. Mac Jones, 6'3", above average, kind of fits what... doesn't really matter how good you've done. Mac Jones probably a little bit better than what Drew Locke was coming out. But John Elway just likes the tall quarterbacks. Trey Lance, tall quarterback. I could see that happen. That's why I, that's why I think the Broncos might get him because John Elway... He likes him tall. Remember Brock Osweiler? Loves him tall. Oh, man. It's not even about the quarterback that's position. John Elway just sees like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, dude, and he goes, or I'm sold. if you're Brock Osweiler, 6'8". Yeah, he sees tall guy, and he goes, I'm sold. And, you know, all these guys are pretty tall. You don't have to worry about a real short guy coming in. Then they might get fooled. I think he's still built around Drew Locke, but I don't know. We wrap up the show on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater here with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. ABC is running a documentary on the 50-year impact of Sesame Street. Sesame Street 50 Years of Sunny Days is on at 7. On NBC, Snoop Dogg is back as mentor to all the teams on The Voice as part two of The Knockouts is on beginning at 7. Some movie selections for tonight, a pair of Fast and Furious movies is on AMC. 2006's Tokyo Drift is on at 5 and 2009's Fast and Furious is on at 7.30. Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is on FX at 6.30. Three men well past their college days decide to start a fraternity. Old school is on Paramount at 6. Doctor Strange is on TNT at 7. In live sports, the Atlanta Braves are in action at home against the Chicago Cubs at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Two NBA games are on NBA TV with the Phoenix Suns and the New York Knicks starting the action at 6.30 p.m. Wrapping up the night at 9 p.m., the Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento Kings will close out the schedule. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up the show here on On The Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. We got three minutes until the drive with Bill Cameron, or at least until we get out of here, and then coming up from four to six, following us as they do every weekday here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck taking your calls as they do every weekday from four to six p.m. Still talking about quarterbacks at this year's NFL draft. We've ranked them, said where we think they're going who are some of the guys that are not being talked about as first rounders that you really like that you think could uh you think could who, who do you think's the most likely fringe guy and i mean fringe guy outside the first round uh, the guys that aren't being talked about at all who's the guy that you like the most that you think will put together a career in the league i can tell you who i like the guy i like the most i like davis mills out of sanford or out of stanford like i think he looks he looks very Peyton Manning like in the pocket now he doesn't throw the ball quite as good as Peyton Manning but he makes really good throws he's got some intermediate throws that I've liked really good ball placement you didn't see a lot of them this year Stanford played five games six games however many they played in that Pac-12 schedule I think he's a guy who you could see as pretty solid backup throughout the league like a you know like a Chase Daniel type like probably consistent backup maybe comes in wow some guys but I don't think any of these guys any of the guys outside of the top five have starting potential in my head. I think if anybody does get drafted first, I think they're probably going to draft a guy like Kyle Trask first. But I'll be honest, I don't like Kyle Trask's decision making. I think he's, I think he leaves a lot of open routes. What's the fascination with Kellen Mond? I don't Not know. Not you, but there is yeah. some fascination out there. Kellen Mond's my tenth best. I, I've got like ten guys right here, and he's ten. Like I, I just don't, I don't see it. I guess because he played for so long. That there's like he has to know football by now. He played in the same <laughs> system for you know eight years. Like he's there. Like he knows it. But you say it all the time. He checked down Charlie. He's Alex Smith 2.0 in my head. Alex Smith was a good quarterback though. But I just don't think he's that good. I don't think he's as good as Alex Smith. Is the problem? Like yeah. I think he's an Alex Smith type without being as good as Alex Smith. Without being able to make the throws that Alex Smith could make. He is athletic enough. I mean he he is an athletic quarterback who can run. He's got mobility, but. I, I don't know. I don't know what the fascination is with him. I would rather, we were talking about this off air, I'd rather take a guy like a Sam Ellinger who's not great at, you know, he's leaves a lot desired in decision-making and a little bit of accuracy, but you can run him like a Taysom Hill type. if you're Because where you're picking Sam Ellinger is probably going to be sixth, seven, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round. You throw him in like an inline tight end if you want to work him that way, put him in some wildcat formations. We all know that Sam Ellinger's an athlete. You can throw him in there. You're getting a lot worse out of the guy. Jamie Newman out, you know, 
out of Georgia, I guess, if you really want to call it. I'll say out of Wake Forest because that's where I we think saw he's, him play. Yeah, I think he's in out of Wake Forest, though, right? Yeah. I think that's what he'll say. Rocket for an arm. Absolute cannon. can see maybe a Logan Thomas development. Maybe if it works out, he's a good quarterback. If not, tight end. I can see that. That does it for another edition of On the Line. Just Monday, everybody. We still got four more shows to go this week. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.